You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, folks. Welcome back to this Mountain West Wire football podcast where... uh, Shrug emoji, whatever emoji. Do we know what's going on, Matt, here at MWR.com? Can we explain the conference as it's upside down from typical teams who are usually good and teams that aren't good are good this year? Do you know what the deal is? Can you explain to some extent? To some extent. And maybe that's something we could talk about as we sort of go through each game because, you know, 11 teams in the conference played this weekend. And you know, some of what we saw was sort of more of the same as we had seen in the first few weeks. Some of it uh, positive, some of it negative. If we're being totally honest, probably a little more of the latter than the former. Mm-hmm. But yeah, things have definitely unfolded now that we're basically one month into the season. Uh, it, it's really come together in some ways that nobody would have anticipated, except for maybe the most diehard optimists out there. Yeah, and so it leads into the thing. We'll get to these maybe game by game, but you put out the contenders and pretenders essentially for the first month. Mm-hmm. Um, go read that. Definitely worth a read. We're going to do players of the month and then pretty soon, I guess, with the next week or so before October 1st. Even though technically Utah State plays a Thursday night game this week and that's in September, but uh, I think Aggies fans would be okay if we don't include another game on the schedule perhaps because they're one of the teams yeah. that's like, what is going on? Um, but yeah, there's a lot of ups. It's like the upside down. It's like, what the... It's it's. I was thinking about it too because our buddy, I think, was it Logan in our, in our DMs who does Utah State stuff. He's like, "What can we think about what's going on at the conference?" And I thought about. It, I'm like, it's not necessarily the worst thing in the world that UNLV is really good, seemingly good. San Jose State is back to approximately 2020 levels where they swept their conference. Where you have certain teams that are not typically that great being good, and then you have the opposite where 
like Aztecs are struggling, Boise struggling, Utah State's really struggling. Uh, New Mexico is actually doing, even though they got shut up by LSU, we'll get to it. They're really doing quite well and showing lots of improvement. So it's not necessarily the worst thing. It's just that it's not the typical teams that are usually there, which it's going to make for some odd weeks. And there may not be a team that goes like 11 to one or 10 and two. Maybe not. I mean, it, it really does feel like the first time, at least since, I've been doing this and, I, and I've been writing, you know, with, with you at the pair of different websites for the last, you know, nine years now. And it's hard to think of another, <laughs> it's hard to think of another juncture where, you know, this far into the season, it seems like just about anything could happen. Yeah. Try to think back. I, cause usually it's usual suspects like Boy State's always been up there. If not the best, even last year, there's there, we saw a little bit going on. They didn't go all the well go all do all the well 2020 was interesting just because people were playing or not playing but yeah ask like what's up for grabs like i'm trying i haven't done my power pull yet but i joked a twitter account just put you and you number one they're leading the conference in scoring i believe they're like what, 40 points a game or something like that they're one of the very 250 plus points in games uh i don't know air force wyoming nearly beat boe last night outside of a bad third quarter we'll get to you later it's like it's good it's good for the league because it's different teams, but nationally people are like, Oh, who cares? There's nobody when air force loses to Wyoming, Boise loses to UTEP, New Mexico gets shut out. You, you don't know who cares. I almost be Cal. Cal's not great. Maybe, maybe not. So it's uh, yeah. I don't recall last time where it's, it's not that it's up for grabs. It's just that the teams that are typically really good. I know Fresno struggled because USC and Oregon state are both really good, but they're, I think they're still a good team. But that's like win-loss record, who's at the top? The only typical team is Air Force at the moment. So it's like, yeah, we'll see. Well, if we want to start talking about week four, I think the two Friday games really sort of encapsulate just about everything that we were, were sort of alluding to. Yeah, we had Air Force 48, Nevada 20. And we kind of thought Nevada might figure a few things out. But Air Force, all right, so the Wyoming game, Wyoming dress defense is pretty good. But for the second week in a row, and I did that little five-word thing, like just having some fun. We got a lot of responses. That's pretty cool on our Twitter account. But mm-hmm. basically, we have, we know who Brad Roberts is, clearly. Three touchdowns, 100-plus yards. But then for the second week in a row, John Lee Eldridge III had another 100-yard game. And he, having Air Force two backs were that equipped to be good. And Hazeek Daniels, I know he had – he did okay. didn't play. He got, got banged up a little bit. Like he was kind of in and out. But he – him okay is a third option, but having two backs who can get about a hundred yards, it's it's good. Like he had eight attempts, one hundred two yards. He has three hundred eighty yards. Excuse me, three seventy nine this season. So having two backs who are that competent, not even competent, but really good, he's basically averaging almost a hundred yards a game. So even though I say, oh, welcome, he's around, but he's been doing quite well and in limited fashion. She's Matt ten yards a carry, but. Who does that? <laughs> and it's it's a lot of carries too. Like it's a decent amount of carries. So again, for almost four hundred yards in four games. He, I think we start there where with the Falcons having a second back, explosive plays, hundred plus yards. Not the touchdown guy. He's their big play running back, and that's something Air Force hasn't necessarily had in a while. Where they're another back who gets maybe ten carries max, but gets like about eighty to hundred yards. Well, Eldridge is is really filling that role that DeAndre Hughes played last year, and and Hughes didn't play in this game. I think he's a little banged up, you know. So the fact that he was able to to step into that tailback role, 
Uh, yeah, you're definitely right. It makes them that much more dangerous that they have that same option where, you know, most years that that tailback position is where they get most of their rushing production from. You know, you think of like, you know, Tim McVay, I think is the mo- the, the best, most yeah. recent example of that. You know, if, if Elders third is the new McVay, then it's going to make the entire ground attack that much more effective. But I mean, in this particular case, though, it, you know, obviously Roberts and Eldridge were the ones who led the way. But Nevada just did not have an answer for anybody who had the ball on the ground for Air Force on Friday night. You know, there were, what, seven different players who had at least one run of 10 or more yards. Yeah, that's not just that's... Roberts and Eldridge the third, but also, you know, Omar Fada. Emmanuel Michael, both of whom are also fullbacks. You know, Daniels had 37 yards on the ground. Ben Britton, his backup, came in for a short time. Uh, he had a 19-yard run and also an 80-yard touchdown yeah, to, to David Cormier, the, 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 the one pass that the Falcons completed in that game. So, buddy. yeah, and, and so, like, that isn't the first time that we've seen the Falcons dominate on the ground like that this year, but I think it's sort of speaks to the disparity between a team that is, I think, by just about every by every sort of box you want to check is a, a legitimate contender versus one that, at least after a decent and you know, pleasantly surprising start, has really sort of fallen back to the pack. You know, I think it's pretty clear at this point that the Wolf Pack just, you know, don't have enough. They, like right now, they just don't have a lot of talent up front in the front seven. And I yeah, think we kinda, in the last few weeks, that's that's really shown itself. And we kind of call that too. Like, even had they beat Aaron Carnot, where you were more like you were more correct in that to be with them not winning that game, but figured look at their playing early on, they could be two and zero, three and zero, and then they come back to earth, like you said, earth by playing these teams where they don't have like Ken Wilson, defensive coach. But I get it's hard to stop the Falcons' a rush attack, but. The big plays is the issue. Like they're going to get yards typically, and that's something we mention every week with the Falcons. They'll get the yards, just don't let them get those big 10, 15 chunk yard rushing plays, and they did. And yeah, for, as for like, Nevada, they like, let's, put, yeah. Yeah, let's put it this way: you know, the, on on statbroadcast.com, one of the, the useful things that I think is sort of illustrative of this game in particular, they have this stat that they track called field position rate, which is basically the percentage of plays run on the opponent's side of the field. Air Force ran 56% of their plays on Nevada's side of the field. Mm-hmm. And conversely, Nevada only ran 18% of its plays on Air Force's side of the field. That, I think, more than anything else, sort of tells you everything you need to know. But if you're looking for something else, it's just the fact that you know, Air Force, in addition to being 10 of 15 overall on third downs, 8 of 9 on third and short. So basically, when they were on schedule, Nevada just did not have an answer for them. And I think it really comes down to, like I said, you know, Don Peterson is, he's still great. Like he's still productive. They just don't have enough around him up front to, to withstand yeah. this kind of attack. Falcons went from third, fourth down three times. They held the ball for 43 and a half minutes, 43, 41 to be exact. Don Peterson and others can't withstand being tired, hands on their hips, hunched over, getting beat up for that many minutes. And that's Yeah. They ran twice as many problems. plays as the Wolfpack did just about. Yeah. And the only thing Wolfpack did pretty well, like they totality, they ran the ball pretty good, I think, overall, but they didn't have the opportunities. Like, yeah, only 112 yards, but Tao had 73 on seven carries, long one, two TDs, but Nate Cox is not a good quarterback at the moment. 
barely over 50%, and they'll make the jokes because he's a giant, tall guy. Didn't turn over, but he's also not like a guy that you trust to do anything. And a third of his yards came on that 158 yarder to uh, Jamal Bell there. And so it's, he's not really going downfield either all that much. Yeah. And I think that that really speaks to something else that was a big, you know, part of this game that Nevada just did not have enough explosive plays until it was too late. Like, you know, by the time they had the 50 yard pass, they were down by multiple touchdowns. You know, when the game was still competitive, you know, they, they had a handful of those, or what are called chunk plays, but they were like, you know, a 16-yard pass, a 15-yard pass, or a 10-yard run, like the touchdown run that Nick Cox had in the first half. Yeah. It, it wasn't that same level of explosiveness that Air Force had until it was too late. You know, like I said, the 50-yard the pass came in, the I think, the third quarter, if I'm not mistaken. Or, excuse me, it came in the fourth quarter, rather. Uh, and the 40-yard touchdown run that Tuatawa had, you know, came in the third at the end of the third quarter, just about... By that point, the game was already out of reach, and a lot of that had to do with the fact that Nevada just not, you know, in addition to having basically zero answers on defense, I think I forget who it was that put it out there that you know halftime stopped the Falcons' offense more often than the Wolfpack did in this game, and that you know you look at the drive chart, field goal, touchdown, 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 half, touchdown, field goal, touchdown, touchdown, half. You compare that to what Nevada did, and yeah, they had a few nice drives. But, you know, they just did not move the ball nearly enough, especially when it mattered the most. Yeah. I don't know. It's going to take a while for Nevada to get going. But Air Force looks really good, which it's just weird that Wyoming game just kind of couldn't get it done. But, yeah, Nevada, they just – it's a defensive coach. So I don't expect too much offensively. But the only thing they have going for them is a couple – they're running like Dante Lee and Teller did fine. And Don Peterson, they don't have much of everything else to be all that competitive in the conference. They're sitting at two and three. They, I know the West is Hawaii's not very good, but they got CSU. That's a potential win. They go to Hawaii. So they, there's a possibility, and who knows about San Diego State? There's a chance they could be back in 500, four and three going into the Aztec game on the end of October. They get their off this week. So there's a chance they could get a couple wins and get some confidence. Yeah, I mean, there's they've made progress, and it's not like the, the Wolfpack haven't performed at the same level as other teams that we're going to talk about later. You know, they they have some things that have gone well for them, and so you know, there, it, it may not always be pretty, but they could be good enough to play the spoiler once or twice down down the stretch as we sort of come to the halfway point of the season. It's just you know, I don't think that at this point they're not going to be a threat to to win the division or anything like that. Not even close. All right, let's go. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The next Friday game where this team may not threaten to win the division or do anything special this year. Yeah, I said it. Boise State gets, um, well, they lose to Utah. Um, was it 27 10? Is that the final score? 27 to 10. I was gonna, I was gonna say 20, like, except my page went, went away from me, but the, like this loss, like, I, I don't want to give crap to UTEP, but I, te- I emailed our buddy Adrian from ESPN El Paso. I was like, what the heck happened? I'm like, eh? I'm like, it looks like you're wrong. He's like, I'm glad to be. And it was weird, he said, in replying to me in emails. But this is arguably, based on point spread and reputation, the worst loss ever for Boise State at the FBS level. Is that too much hyperbole to say? Because I can't put it on Twitter. Some people mentioned that Washington State game back when, like, year two of Boise's FBS year, I think 96, 97. But they get shut up pretty bad. But this has to be up there based on those things I mentioned that one of their worst losses of all time. This team given, lost to New Mexico how, last week, right? I'm just saying. Given how disappointing UTEP had looked through three games, yeah, it really was kind of a shock. But and, and I think the, the more galling the more galling thing is it's not like UTEP blew them out of the water either. Like, yeah, no. it was it was twenty seven to ten. But you know, what, like it, it wasn't really until late in the game that they pulled away and started to assert themselves. It wasn't like they had a huge you know yards per ki- you know yards per play advantage or, or total offensive yard. Like it, they outgained Boise nearly two to one on offense, but in terms of total yardage, they only gave up you know they were, rather they only earned three hundred twenty two yards. You know, only five yards per play, which is you know it's not. It's not terrible, but it's not great. You know, you look at the yeah. drive chart, it wasn't like, you know, UTEP was stringing together scoring drive after scoring drive. Like, you know, they had a yeah. field goal, but they had, you know, Boise State yeah. forced punts on on uh, four of UTEP's first six drives going into, like, yeah. late in the third quarter. They were just 8 of 15 third downs. There's no turnovers by either team. I think the big stat is that UTEP just held the ball, and Boise's defense were, were just not allowing to the points. They were just... First down, first down. Okay, now we'll putt long drives. Boise State never had the ball. And also, the offensive line, again, had new guys, true freshmen starting out there. Like, this – we will get to the firing of, of um, Tim Plow in a minute here, but this – team, I don't – oh, George Lani did great. I'm like, fine. And I, I've been slowly hinting that this team has not been good going back to last year, and people are like, oh, whatever, it's – they'll be fine. I've been – and then I finally said at the end of last year – I'm not trusting anything this team does to prove it to me, and they have not proved it to me in about a dozen, almost a full season to slate of games. They have not been good. Their Hank Bachmeyer has not improved as a quarterback, and maybe it's the OC thing, but their offensive line, despite them recruiting the best in the conference the past however many years, they apparently can't produce an offensive line for the past two and a half years, which they've been usually good at where they're running backs, as we mentioned, Doug Martin, Jeremy McNichols, Alexander Madison, all these guys who can run very well behind offensive line, they are now a team that uh, rightfully so are questioning that extra money they're getting every year. It's like 
they're not a good football team and they haven't been a good football team in a couple of years. They just haven't they haven't been a very good offensive team in a couple of years. I want to be but clear they're, about but they're that. losing too, so it's not a good team. No, Hank Bachmeyer has not been good since like two years. Don't no, he's not a good quarterback. He's not gotten better. I, so I'm gonna he's no okay. Good. So I will I will reiterate again that he had his he had the best year of his career last year while playing through injury for basically half the season. And I think in this particular case, and probably all year long. It, uh, yes, the, the stat line for Bachmeyer does not look good. And he was only 13 of 34, 93 yards, one touchdown. The offensive line is a mess. It's been messed And all, years, the, and all the shuffling that Andy Avalos and Tim Plough did coming into this game it just d- did not have any impact whatsoever. If anything, it probably made things worse. There was one play in particular, and, and, and I'm sure you probably remember this too, that I think it was sometime in the third quarter where UTEP rushed three, dropped eight yeah. in the coverage. And guess what and there happened? Was one dude, there was one dude, and I'm almost certain it was Garrett Cran, who was just blocking air as whoever was in the middle of the UTEP defense ran right around two offensive linemen. And, and I can't remember if he took Bachmeyer down or just put pressure on him and forced him to throw it away or whatever. There's pressure. That play told me everything I needed to know about the state of this offense. The offensive line is absolutely holding the rest of this offense back. Because I said it last week with regards to Halani, it seems like every other time he touches the ball, he has to dodge one or two guys in the backfield just to get like three or four yards. Yeah, so, I'm not blaming – it's hard. Yeah, I'm not blaming him. Like he's – like he, his production's out there. Just, I know it's not all his fault. But it's like – So, I mean, he, he had a couple of nice runs. but And, and you know, and to be, to be fair, you know, people were pointing out on Twitter – and, and I would agree with that assessment that there were multiple instances where Bachmeyer, you know, overthrew his receivers. But also, like, the offensive line just is not good. The receivers are not special anymore either. Yeah, That's no, another problem. They don't, have, not walking back they don't the have a – yeah, they don't have a Khalil Shakir or a John Hightower or a Matt Miller on this How roster right anybody? now. Come on. <laughs> or at least nobody who has been as consistently great as those guys. And and you can excuse a little bit, you know, battling injuries and stuff like that. And I think, but I think that's more true on defense than it is on offense. You know, they they had to play this game, I believe, without Ezekiel Noah. Um, yeah. And, and and they've been playing, you know, without other contributors like Markel Reed. Ty- Tyreek Jones got banged up in this game. Um, I think there was someone else who got you know taken out of the game at some point too. I, I, it escapes me. But this offense, like the, the, the way the offense has been playing for the last two, three years now, and this is, I think, in, in I would argue that this goes back to the last year, the Brian Harson era. They've been playing with like one hand behind their back for two two plus years now. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I, I mean, it's easy to say in retrospect that Plow's dismissal as offensive coordinator was a long time coming. Honestly, I would be shocked if he if that was the only move to be made within the, you know the course of the rest of the season because you know at some point something's got to happen with that offensive line in particular somebody's got to come I, I think more heads have to roll if they actually want to change well who then like the offensive line coach like who like OC yeah is a pretty probably it hasn't gotten any better like i've been waiting for football outsiders to mm-hmm. update its stats for like you know stuff rate and sack rate allowed and things like that 
because I'm very interested to see how Boise State compares this year's to, to this year to years past. Because they just they just aren't they aren't a special team anymore, and a lot of that comes down to you know a lack of a lack of performance on offense. Like it wasn't like UTEP had a ton of explosive plays in this game, nope. but Boise State only had you know a five point one percent explosiveness rate, and and that's from you know CFBGraphs.com, Parker Fleming uh, at Stats of War on Twitter. They just don't have anything to offer on the offensive side of the ball, and until that changes it's really hard to take them seriously as a contender in the Mountain West. Is it too early to call them just a bad football team? They're not a UTEP bad football got, team, but they, aren't a, got, but they aren't a great football team anymore. Wait, the defense, got, they're only going to be as good as their defense plays. But the defense is going to get pressed if the offense can't hold up its end of the bargain at some point. This team lost to the North Texas. North Texas by more than two touchdowns. They lost to New Mexico, who maybe they're better, but UTEP's not a good team. And they were – this game was not necessarily in doubt, but it it did not seem this is going Boise State game at all throughout the game. It never seemed like they had a chance to come back and win this game. It never seemed like – I never had any interest, even though they're up 3-0, down, down 10-3 at halftime, at 10-3 halftime. I never thought, oh, here's Boise State. They're going to make a drive. They're going to score a touchdown. you think they might – but it never seemed like they were going to make a play to go down the field and get back in this game. They had field goals. They had too many three of three and outs. They had that one touchdown. They tie, even when they tied it, they went. They got they. It, it, my closest thing. They tied it in that eight, that eight play quick drive, like two minute drive, whatever. To start the second half, right? They got the ball, forced three and out. Great, but then they punt. Like it never. It never felt like they were back in this game. Like that was the closest. Yeah, ten to ten maybe, but it never seemed. To me, that there was a chance they were is going to get they had the punt return against them. It's like special teams wasn't good. They turn over and downs. They're punting the ball. Like no, this never to me. Even when they tied it ten to ten, I wasn't confident or comfortable comfortable that oh here they come. They're going to get get ahead and get this game going. It never seemed at all to me. But and I don't think that's they're a bad, bad football team. team. I they're what a makes them a good team? team, but they're not a bad football team. Come on, man. The two and two, they got they didn't show up versus Oregon State. The Mexico game was lackluster. Offensive violence issues versus UT Martin. Like this San Diego State Boise State game, we're all looking forward forward to. It might be ten to three for how bad these two teams are, and I don't know who's going to win. Like that game, look, September thirtieth. That's a upcoming this week. I all oh, that oh schedule Boise San Diego State. It's going to be, I don't think that's going to be a very good football game. Sorry. I'm not into it. I mean, I guess we'll see. We're in uncharted territory with this team. So what do we make of, they bring in Dirk Cutter, who former Boise State head coach with the Falcons, head coach OC. Um, he's been the analyst this year. It's so like, if he was already on this team as the analyst, how much more can he do? I know analysts are not on the field role. You're usually studying film and maybe in some meetings, you're not on-field coach, what can he really do to make a difference? I mean, whatever he does, it's got to start up front. But who did he have? Maybe, like, they just, maybe they just need to be more of a power running team. Maybe they need to make a change of quarterback like a lot of yeah. fans are clamoring for. I'm telling you, I know I looked at Bachmeyer's numbers when you were chatting before. Yeah, he was pretty good in 20, he had what, 20 touchdowns and I think six interceptions last year. 
pretty mm-hmm. good. But that's 20 touchdowns, not very for a Boise State quarterback, 20 touchdowns isn't very good. He had 20, like, 20, like that's not good for them. Right? I mean, they should have 30 plus, right? Is that kind of what the standard should be? I don't know. Jalen Henderson had only 12 that year. That wasn't a great year either. A couple years before, but they had, they played three quarterbacks, Bachmar, Cord, and Henderson. But like going back to trying to look at real quick, past couple years ago, like 2018, when they had Brett Rippon, he had 30 touchdowns. Like they're typically 25 plus minimum touchdowns. Brett Rippon, 16 touchdowns. It's maybe 20 is fine, 20 is fine, whatever. Maybe I'm over hyping it and saying it's not good. But for a guy who starts as a true freshman and then now he's like, Regressing, regressing. Come on, I don't know what Cutter can do. He's there around his familiar faces. Might be the too simple hire, but may, the promotion, I guess. But simple may work. And Cutter has all the experience. But you would think he'd be telling the coaches, "Hey, let's do this. Let's do this." I don't know how vocal he was as an analyst because sometimes they're just going through film, and he might be looking at something different than the whole offense. So I, 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 I hate know, to, I hate to say it. I hate to say it. But I'm starting to wonder if maybe Andy Alvalos is Boise State's Tim DeRuiter. You hate just to say it without right. without without the without the early conference championships. I wonder if they just skip straight to the 2014, 2015, 2016 part. He's on the high you know, seat. Def- man. He might defensive be guy, defensive guy who's probably better as a coordinator, might be better as a coordinator than he was as a head coach. I think it's fair to question that. Do you think because Boise's never had this before? They've always won nine like 10 games forever essentially outside of last year i'm gonna pull sports reference here momentarily but would it take like would they would boise state be so impatient because of their success they've had over the years say they have a similar year of eight and five would they let would they get rid of andy Avalos to find somebody new it's a good question because what, you know we, we've I'm never even had to think about whether they could afford something like that hey my, they get extra, inclination they get extra money they get more money than my inclination is else. to say that he would probably get one more year to get things right. He currently is nine and seven as a head coach. Mm-hmm. Nine and seven. The worst two year stretch of a Boise State head coach. The first one year, the, oh, his seven and five year, excluding Brian Harson's five and two year, because even winning percentage, it wasn't as good at five and two. That seven and five season last year was their worst season since their 1998 Big West year three in FBS. And that was happy to be Dirt Cutter's, Dirt Cutter's first year at six and five. Mm-hmm. So I think they have money to do it because they've always been getting more money than anybody in the conference. Maybe don't go defensive coach. I don't know. People want Brian Harson back. That's not a good idea either. I don't think don't well, say they have that. like they haven't paid attention to Harson's last three years. Like they like twenty twenty wasn't that great, guys. They got blown out by San Jose State. Like they didn't play that well in, you know, in the title game. That's I mean, and I and I, I'll say it again. That's when the offensive issues started. It didn't. It did that. It predates Avalos. Keep oh, yeah, that yeah, in yeah, mind yeah. going forward. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like. I have to look and see what they want to do, but this team is struggling and not very good. And like again, Aztec game, like I don't care. Like this team, nothing. Ex- this team, like this, nothing excites me about this team. There is a legit chance they'll lose to San Diego State, they'll lose to Fresno State, they'll lose to Air Force. They're not going to beat BYU, and they could lose on the road at Wyoming. 
That's one, two, three, four, five more losses, which would mean they're not going to the bowl game. They could just as easily claw their way back and win the majority of those and get bowl eligible. Well, yeah, because San Diego State's not very good. I think they're not nowhere near as good as Fresno, even if Fresno doesn't have Jay Kaner, which doesn't seem likely. I don't think Air, I think Air Force is too good for them. BYU's hit or miss, but I think BYU is a much better team. And at Wyoming is kind of a I'm still waiting to see for them, but there is a good chance, like I a minimum thirty percent chance. I could look at FPI, but I would not be surprised if they don't go to a bowl game this year. That would not shock me at all the way they're playing. I'm not willing to go that far yet. No? Come on, we'll join, join, me, join, join me over here. Come on, what's the problem? They're, they're they lost, as as they lost to one of the worst them. teams. They lost one of the worst teams over the past decade in college football and wasn't they're, close. They're, they're going to go as far as their defense takes them. The offense has to score some points too, man. Yeah. The offense has to be at least competent, and it's not. I, I guess we'll see. One last thing before I move on, because I'm, I'm looking at their FPI, what their bowl percentage is real quick. FPI, when I click at the Mountain West section, it, once it, my internet decides to load and I get past Alabama and everybody at the top, Boise State right now is sitting at a .9. Okay, for some reason, FPI still gives them a 90% chance to go to a bowl game. They still give them a 20% to win the whole conference, which is third best band Fresno and Air Force. So I don't think FPI is up to date, for my opinion, but it's numbers out of there. So but they also dropped their trend is dropping rapidly to 74th ranked in FPI. So, all right, let's move on. Let's get to something else because this, I'm, I'm off the Broncos bandwagon. I never was on and technically, but they're no, they're, they're, dead. they're dead to me essentially. Okay, how about San Diego State 17, Toledo 14? Oh, they won? <laughs> Can I gloat? That was like that was like one of that was maybe the worst win I've seen by a Mountain West team all year long. Can I gloat a little bit? Is it okay to gloat for a second week in a row? Regarding? Braxton Burmeister. Come on, man. I mean, it's not really gloating if you're just pointing out the obvious. No, it's gloating because the preseason people said he runs a 4-2. He's started the Virginia Tech. He was a power five quarterback. He'll come in and do everything. They let him throw in this game, and he was 13-24. to They allowed him to showcase his skill set to pass the ball more than 16 times, which what Aztecs have typically been doing with their offense. They let him throw the ball. I, mean, I was more disappointed that they crowed he had like 20-something yards on the final drive. <laughs> you were? And they were like, oh, he was like, yeah, who cares? He had one drive. You guys deserve better. Come on now. <laughs> it, we, it's been a month. Have you actually looked at what he has accomplished? I'm going to ask that to you, Jeremy. Have you looked at what Braxton Burmeister has accomplished in one month as the Aztecs quarterback? Not much. He, got he has poked out 53% of his throws. Because I poked out in the Utah game. He is Sorry. averaging 3.6 yards per attempt. 3.6. Do you know Told who's you. averaging? But do you know who's averaging more than 3.6 yards per attempt? Joey Yellen, it, the Hawaii quarterback, who still doesn't Bachmeyer. have a single passing touchdown this year. Does think Bachmeyer better than that? <laughs> so, yes. Yes. And and Can so you, is Taylor wait, does, Ma, does, does Kendrick is Kendrick Miles better than that? Do you have that in front of you? Let's put it this way. Among qualifying <laughs> quarterbacks, it is – and by qualifying quarterbacks, let's just say let's – put, let's put the minimum at like 10 pass completions. It's, it's dead last. It's dead last 
in the Mountain West. And I would not be surprised. I didn't even think to look nationally, but it's probably like the worst yards per attempt figure in the entire country of unqualified quarterbacks. The dude sucks. Thank you. And I know that I know that people want to blame it on the offensive coordinator. And I think that Jeff Heklinski at some point is probably going to have to shoulder more of the blame. But like I watched nearly this entire game and Burmeister just Burmeister was just he was not accurate in this game. Yeah. And yeah, he had a couple of nice runs. You know, you know, one of which set up that, you know, that final drive, his final scoring drive. Did you clock him before two yet, Matt? There's there's no other way around it. He sucks, and Aztec fans deserve better. The true freshman, Kyle Crum, could not possibly be any worse. He played decent for And if the Aztecs Aztecs are serious about trying to defend the division crown, they need to make a change. Burmeister is not the answer. Thank you. I was saying this all offseason. I'll wait and see. And they allowed him to play and throw the ball. Part of it was, okay, he's not throwing the ball much, not giving him a chance. To the OC, maybe the, they need to make up some, or not make up, but uh, change their play calling or allow him to throw the ball. There's a reason this is his third college program. I know there's coaching changes at Virginia Tech and stuff, but there's a reason he's at his third program. How did the Aztecs let Lucas Johnson get away? Like, Have you looked on. at Lucas Johnson's stats? I have not. Is he doing well or not well? At yeah, actually he is. Hey, shocker. He's complete. He's completing seventy-seven percent of his passes at Montana right now. Whew. Or maybe, or maybe that was yesterday against Portland State. He's Who completing. Cares? Excuse me. He's completing sixty-nine percent of his passes. Oh, ten touchdowns, 69. one interception. You had this guy in your roster. You let him go. Yeah, I think he already has as many touchdowns in in four games at Montana than he had the entirety of last year. Don't quote me on that, but that sounds about right. So it's partially OC, which we know, and I'm partially Brady Hoke because he's a defensive lineman guy. But like, oh, we get a power five quarterback. And all, all these Aztec fans are mentioned on Twitter. They're like, oh, trust me, he's great. He'll be awesome. He's just, he played with broken ribs last year. He's a tough guy. I'm like, I, again, I won't believe it until I see it for Aztec quarterback. Same with some other George Lawn a little bit, certain teams here. You got to show me something. And this, the, the, yeah, they won. Great. They had a hundred, like, we should uh, talk about Jordan Bird who had a solid game, two touchdowns, 115 yards, but half of that was like a, or 40% was on one running play. 45% was. Oh, on it was, no, play. it was more than that. Yeah. I mean, he had, he had two carries on the, on the first scoring. Drive oh, that's right. That oh, that's totaled right 80 yards. Okay. I know he had the 43. Okay. So let's, but they all count. He scored two touchdowns. So that's something, but. Let's, put, let's put it this had, way. I, I put this, I put this in the, the winners and losers column that I wrote. They're big losers. When Jordan Bird Sorry. carried the ball, they averaged he averaged seven point two yards per carry. Yeah, the entire rest of the offense averaged three yards per play, and they somehow won. They beat Toledo. Defense had three picks that helped out quite a bit. The defense was awesome. Yeah, the offense was miserable, but the defense was awesome, and they barely won. Two sacks, six TFLs, four turnovers. And, and it's really the four turnovers that that made the difference in this game because it seemed like, you know, every time Toledo was about to threaten, they, they would shoot themselves in the foot. You know, they had, I believe, two of their first three turnovers sort of in the first half, early third quarter, came on the Aztec side of the field. You know, they got to the 44-yard line and they stalled. And then they fumbled at the, at the San Diego State 16. And then they were on the move again, sort of close to midfield, still on their side of the field. And ended up 
you know, throwing another interception. And, and it took them most of the fourth quarter to come back. They're down 17 or down. They scored 14 points in the fourth quarter. So as but you want to know what you want to know another problem with this Aztecs team though. Which, and I think it's mostly about the offense. Do you know how many points the Aztecs had off of those four turnovers? I don't have in front of me. Let me guess. I'll say three. Zero. Oh, okay. That makes more sense too. Good job. Good effort. Wasted Zero those. points. Wasted. They're one of 12 and third down. Also, can somebody get a, uh, tell them to calm down? 11 penalties. Jeez. hundred plus yards. Ridiculous. There were a couple of like, you know, the, the, I think uh, Karen White got popped for targeting in the first half. He got ejected. Yeah. Um, I mean, there wasn't really like a ton of real sloppy penalties. Like it's there was, you know, I think one of them counted like a, I thought there was like an unnecessary roughness or like an, an unsportsmanlike like conduct off or a turnover or something like that at one point. So it wasn't like, know. it wasn't like penalties were like actively holding them back at a lot of different junctures. But that's a full football. But yeah, it wasn't penalties. like it was a terribly disciplined performance around all, all around either. But it's to their credit that they were able to overcome that. I mean, th- this was really sort of the template that helped them win twelve games last year. But you know, I, I really don't think it's going to fly against better offenses in the Mountain West. So, you know, for as good as the defense looked for one week, they they you know they've still got work to do on the other side of the ball. Otherwise, like we just talked about with Boise State there's the chance that they could waste a, you know, a handful of, of really strong defensive performances by offering absolutely nothing on the other side of the ball. This is beyond bad. Like they don't have the multiple, multiple running backs to get the job done this time around. Yeah. Bird had hundred plus yards, but again, they can mention two carries for about 80 plus yards of that. Like they, they, they'll beat the Hawaii. They'll beat Nevada. They're already, they play first. Now, like maybe you should have Jake Kaner back, but, UNLV probably could beat them. San Jose State, Air Force. This you got to score points, man. This isn't. It's like we talked about the Iowa football a couple weeks ago when they played Nevada and the jokiness about what they do. This is almost to that same extent. They scored seven points for Utah, and Arizona put up twenty. But they're they don't have a they haven't had a quarterback in forever, and they need to find a guy. Who I've mentioned this before many times in the podcast here and around wherever. Get a guy who runs the offense and say, you run it, Brady Hoke, and I'll take care of the defense and keep me informed during the game plan. I'll kind of, we'll kind of not necessarily collaborate at all, very little, but like, okay, let me know what's going on so I can have an idea of what we're, what we're running here. Well, okay, so I to- will reiterate, I will reiterate again that the quarterback play San Diego State got in the second half of last year in particular was exactly what they needed out of an Aztecs quarterback situation. The problem is that that production has fallen off of a cliff. And unless they can recover it, you know, that's the difference between being like a seven win team and a, and a team that wins like nine or 10 games and defends the, the division title. They're not defending. I mean, I mean, both, both of those possibilities are still in play. It's just a matter of how well the offense is going to become, is going to come around because they cannot rely on that boom and bust ground game to be there every single week. It wasn't really there against Arizona. It wasn't there at all against Utah. So they need something else to be able to hang on against better teams in the Mountain West. Yeah, I don't know, man. This is a win and we're talking this bad, but there it's fine. Matt, I like how you're finally coming around to my side of things for San Diego State. Took it long enough. <laughs> you had to see it get this bad to, re- to kind of say, okay, 
I mean, I, I mean, I hedged my bets on the Aztecs a little bit in this, but I also thought that they would still win the division coming into this year. So that's why yeah. I, that's why to their performance to this point has been sort of frustrating. We've thought them. Like there, are certain, there are certain things that they could be doing better. And, and it's probably going to involve some personnel changes to get there. Do you think they'll switch QBs? Are they going to go with the freshman? I, I mean, I think they should. I don't think they will. Stubbornness. Come on. All right. Well, what game's next? Are we going to Sac State CSU? Oh boy. 42 to 10 Hornets over the Rams. Rams were an underdog. It closed at minus four or minus four for Sac State. Favored. Okay, I do want to recall, tell people, Jay Norvell in his first year at Nevada was not very good. Green I don't nice. recall them. Yeah, I don't recall them losing by three to third by 31 points to an FCS program. They like Clay Millen went seven to seven, 62 yards. Quarterback play wasn't good. Could not run the ball, saved their lives. The defense is a paper bat, wet paper bag at best. The one bright spot, obviously, you mentioned the winners and losers, or not maybe not that one, the uh, pretenders, contenders thing. Toy Horton is doing quite well. Three catches, 127 yards. Give me more of that, but this Rams defense is not very good. They can't move the ball on offense. They Whoever's at quarterbacks, not all that great. And Sac State, yeah, they're top. They're a top 10 FCS team, but again, they're an FCS team. They shouldn't be losing, let alone losing by 30-plus points. So Colorado State is a worse team than Utah State. Sacramento State is also a better FCS team than Weber State was. In retrospect, okay. this probably should not have been that surprising. But I think anytime you, know, they, you, know, they, anytime you lose by this many points, I would say that. But they obviously true. tried to you know, amend what they had been doing, especially for Millen's benefit. You know, it was pointed out by Justin Michaels on on uh, on Twitter that they were just trying to get the ball out of his hands as quickly as possible. That's what we've seen all year. Yeah, and and you know they only allowed one sack, but then he got banged up with a shoulder injury. We still don't know like how severe it is, but that's where they had to turn the backup. You know, Brendan uh, Fowler Nicolosi, and you know he he looked like a true freshman, six of fifteen, hundred and sixteen yards, one interception. Or excuse me, one touchdown rather. You know, they, uh, it's nice to know that they can rely on Tory Horton, who had another big game despite the circumstances. Three catches, 127 yards, one touchdown. But man, I mean, the, the running game is just non-existent. You know, the quarterback protection still lackluster. You know, I think if, if they could give the quarterback time to throw, I think the receivers are still talented enough to make things happen. I think Horton is the best example of that, mm-hmm. but they just can't get it right now. The offensive and, line, and basically, not and basically nothing, probably... nothing went right for them in this game. Like even the, even the, the stars that they had had on, on defense, like, you know, Mohamed Kamara had a pretty quiet game. He only had one tackle as a team. You know, they, they did manage two sacks, but they only had three TFLs. Did force two fumbles, but I don't think they recovered either one of them. So they didn't necessarily benefit from, you know, the same kind of fumble luck. And then, of course, you know, Murphy's Law says that, you know, age on Vivids, when he fumbles, Sacramento State has to pick it up. Yeah. It was just, it was no an fun. ugly game all the way around. They only had 10 first downs to 25. They couldn't complete a third down. They couldn't run the, whatever. They couldn't move the ball offensively. It, overall, this is just the worst performance in decades for the Rams. 
I'll say it, decades. Nobody loses it's not to an great. FCS team. Nobody loses to an FCS team by 30 plus points. Until now, I guess. <laughs> That's true. I mean, I didn't see anybody point out like what the worst FBS to FCS loss was, but I have to imagine this is up there. Yeah, this is one of the worst losses in program history. Again. Like I like it's rough. Think, it's rough. What right? Am I not am I wrong here? What's wrong? What's you're not wrong. I mean, they they have like a lot that they have to settle. And it's just, you know, the offensive line is in flux. You know, they they had to break in a new pass catcher and Justice Ross Simmons. You know, they had to, you know, undergo, you know, quarterback change. Uh, you know, they they're they're trying to do what they can. And and then they're also getting banged up too. I think, you know, Greg Lade was limited in this game. It's there's no easy answers here. Do you think like we, we've seen on? that we've seen them flash here and there, especially the big play potential. You know, yeah. I think you know what what Horton was able to accomplish. You know, his fifty six yard catch is, I think, the best example from this game. But that's all we're getting at this point. It's just flashes. Like they just haven't been able to string anything remotely close to like a good quarter since the Middle Tennessee game. Yeah, like what can they do? Who like to help Millen or whoever's because Millen's been sacked twenty three times so far this year. What can they do besides what they're already doing to not allow them to get their brain bashed in the quarterback and have like a 60 sack season for Mellon? Plus, 23. I mean, honestly, all, all they, if they don't have the time to stretch the field, they just have to keep trying to get the ball out of his hands quickly. Should they not play him much? I don't know because that's literally on a hundred pace for a hundred sacks. I don't know, man. It's not, it's not a good situation to be in. We want to say there's hope because you mentioned the big plays and what Norvell's done in years past at Nevada. It took him a minute to get going, but he never – did Jay Norvell lose the FCS team in Nevada that first year? To not, I do not recall. They weren't very good. They, I know they beat their rival. I think they beat UNLV to get the Cannon Blue, but they weren't very good. That's where they figured out, figured out Carson Strong like a year later when he was actually playing and not that last chance you guy. They brought him to the EQB. But to answer your question, they did. They lost to Idaho State by two points in 2017. Okay, so there you go. But that's also only two points, not 31 points. Yeah. All right, let's move on. I'm tired. Like, I, I don't like talking about all these teams that aren't playing well. It's not fun. Speaking of teams not playing well. Hey, one LSU team is playing 38, well. Oh, that one. New Mexico nice. zero. Hey, it could have been worse. Just saying. Uh, it could have been worse. Valiant defensive effort. Yeah, they. But that. But you know, we we talk about teams where the offense has got to help. Nah, the, no. the, the offense just basically d- did not help at all in this game. Six hundred and twenty nine yards or six hundred thirty three yards for LSU. Eighty eight total yards of offense for the Lobos, and uh, more than half of that came on two plays. Yeah. Which is saying something considering they ran 33 plays total. Two first downs, Matt, the whole game. Two. Did they cross yeah, the field I mean, you, you really, you double- really feel for this defense because you know they, they took a beating and it wasn't necessarily all their fault either. Like, you know, it was what, 17 to nothing at halftime? Well, when you it go just, it just felt like so much more than that because 
I think for the most part, I think that their biggest problem in this game was they just did not have an answer for Jaden Daniels or Jalen Daniels in particular. Yeah. It was, he was 20, 24 of 29, 279 yards. And then I believe he also added, you know, 37 yards on the ground. So basically he found, he got whatever he wanted through the air. And then when he got replaced yeah. by Garrett Nussmeyer, Nussmeyer got whatever he wanted in the air too. Between the two of them, they were 33 of 39 for 414 yards and a touchdown. Yeah. I mean, you know, there was always going to be a, a really huge talent gulf between these two th- teams. Mm-hmm. But because the offense's longest drive was 40, 41 yards, and and really only and it really only advanced to barely past midfield. They got to the LSU thirty-eight, and that was the only time they got across midfield all game long. It was just never that close. Like it was, it was thirty-eight to nothing, but it might as well have been like twice that. Yeah, LSU. I mean, New Mexico's New Mexico's defense a couple drives provided some resistance. It took LSU. And a handful of drives where over ten plays to move down the field to score, so that's a little something where it wasn't. There were other drives where it's like a four play drive here, but there are a handful of drives where LSU had to work for it a little bit. So that's a little bit of something you want to look at. Yeah, I mean the, the Lobos did have four sacks in this game. You know, Justin Harris had a couple by himself. Bryce Santana had one. Dion Hunter had one. So it wasn't like they, it wasn't like they weren't pushing back at least a little bit. But at some point, you know, I mentioned that the Lobos only ran 33 plays. The LSU got to run 80 plays. And that you could tell that it was just wearing on them as the game went on. And and I really don't know that there's there's much more that needs to be said about that. It was just, you know, the, the Tigers bullied the Lobos. And that was, you know, I, I would say everybody expected that. Yeah. I think it's but, but I also think it would have been fair to expect at least a little more fight from the Lobos on offense, especially. Yeah, that would have been nice if they could have done a little something more. But it's they only again they ran what they run thirty three plays. Yeah, that's tough, man. That makes it hard for any to do anything. Like Boise, like San Diego State, they're going to go as far as the defense can take them in conference play. Yeah, in this game, the result like losing expected. Like you said, def- uh, we'd want a little bit of offense. Only two first downs, one to ten on third downs. It's it as a tough watch. It's a tough slog to get through if you if you decide to watch this game in its entirety or even clips. It was a uh, I kind of skipped on this one. But I kind of kept track of what was being said about it. Unfortunately, like I'm not gonna lie, this one. But mm-hmm. but they yeah, it's a tough one. They're, they're getting better because think of the years past, like when they played Texas A&M last year, wasn't like a 40, 50 point defeat. They were getting something beat like by, that, yeah. Much worse, and so there is improvement, but I get like a little more fine offensively. All right, where are we going next year? What's your next game? Um, let's go to UNLV 34, Utah State 24. So, Matt, the tweet I sent out last week about taking the Rebels to win the conference title was that a was that a good tweet and still a good tweet at the moment with them defeating the defending conference champions and fairly easily? It's a reasonable bet. Because, you know, they, and, and I think this was, you know, a, a sort of like the Cal game in which the, the Rebels faced, you know, a lot of adversity in this one. Like, the, you know, they weren't able to run away from the Aggies like they did against both, you know, Idaho State and North Texas. They actually had to work at it a little bit. But I think it's too and, – and I think they did. Because let's put it this way. In terms of yards per play, I think this sort of, tell, it sort of speaks to or what I'm getting at. Utah State outgained 
UNLV 5.66 to 4.38 on a per play basis. They did, yes. But it's to it's to the Rebels' credit that they found other ways to win. They should have scored like 50 points. They were plus six turnover margin. Plus six. This should not have been this close. I there this Utah State had eight points in the final quarter, but when they're up 27, 33 to 16, it was over. But six inter or six turnovers, this game, this should have they're leading the conference and scoring like 40, what, 49 points, I think, in this per game or something. I'll double check. I think it's down here. below 40 at this point. Oh, maybe it's 39 points. Not by much, but it is. But the way this game, like the defense played amazing, six picks or sorry, five picks, one turn, one fumble recovery. I'm surprised Logan Bonner was held because Coach Anderson said the end of the week, if he doesn't play, well, he's out. Well, how worse do you have to play to throw five picks to not to not get pulled? And some of those run forced errors. Yeah, there were some bad ones, man. Like I remember the one that he, he just he threw it down the right sideline into double coverage. I think it was the one After of the, the ones fake that Cameron punt? Oliver came up with. After the fake punt? I think it was. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, because my buddy, I'm working we're uh, again, I work at the radio broadcast where they do I games. He's like, watch this. Fake punt coming. Called it. Next play, watch this interception, double coverage. Called it. Next play. <laughs> exactly what happened because he's been playing so terrible. But you but you but know I mean, me, like, ooh, it should have been it should have been a, a gigantic blow when you're plus six. No, see, I okay, I I can see where you're coming from with that. But I don't I I I hesitate to agree because I don't think you're giving the Aggies enough credit. Because the they showed did their best. they showed they showed far more signs of life than they did against Weber State. Let's put it that way. Oh, and definitely. Also, 100%. you know, UNLV also had to play most of the game without Kyle Williams and uh, you know Jeff Weimer, both of whom got knocked out with injury. So mm-hmm. you know, even though Brumfield had a had a decent game, you know, he had you know twenty one of thirty one, two hundred seventeen yards and touchdown. You know, the, the Aggies also racked up four sacks as well. Yeah, so you know they they made Brumfield work for it. The the bigger problem was you know not only the turnovers, but there was just a lot of boneheaded mistakes that ultimately did them in. Case in point, not I mean I, I hesitate to, to say it's his fault. Let's say, but uh, you know, Stephen Cottonley inadvertently taking a knee on the punt, yeah, is That's sort right. of emblematic of where the Aggies are at at this point. Aggies aren't a good football team. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they're not. They're one and three, man. They got no. They're not very good. One and three. They get their butt beat by Weber State. They have six turnovers versus a surging UNLV team who legit can win the West Division at three and one. Who's scoring forty points a game? Their quarterback's they're not terrib- playing. They're well a terribly at all. undisciplined team. Yeah, that makes I mean, them a bad you team. Point, you point to the turnovers. I point to the fact that they had eleven. 11- Penalties for the third straight game. Oh, I don't think I didn't see that. I'm just I'm going where people like to hear. Offense not very good. <laughs> I mean, they, they just they also are not benefiting from the same kind of good fortune that they had last year, either. Where you know they mm-hmm. were often able to bail you know, bail themselves out with you know big explosive plays on like third and fourth downs in particular. In this game, four of thirteen on third downs, only two of five on fourth downs. They play BYU so, so you know, It's sort of a, it's sort of an abject lesson in the fact that they were never going to be able to do the same thing twice. 
Yeah, they go in there to BYU this week. They're like over a three point underdog already. <clears throat> it should be three touchdown underdog. This that could be that could get ugly as well. Because BYU is a little hit or miss. The running game could be better, but Utah State, I I don't know what Bonner has to do to get benched because Anders Coach Anderson was pretty adamant if he plays poorly, he's out. He had three hundred yards, three touchdowns. I get it, but twenty seven forty one isn't very good. Like you mentioned, bonehead, bad play, starting into double coverage. Running game wasn't there. That's a little bit different aspect of the game. But they need they, – they, I don't know why Cooper Legard didn't play this, play in this game. I know with 10 points looks close, but it really wasn't when that fourth quarter they needed that touchdown two-point conversion to make it look close. You saw flashes of the old Bonner. You know, I, I, think, I think in particular of the touchdown throw that he had to Justin McGriff. You know the the fade that mm-hmm. you know that McGriff was able to elevate and snatch out of the air over the defender that was on him. I think it was Noel Williams that was on him. You know McGriff had a had a great game, and you could tell that he like really he was really fired up every single time he made a big play. Six catches, 103 yards. They were able to spread the ball around in a way that they that we hadn't really seen them do through four games. You know, they had four different receivers that had six catches. You know you three of whom you know McGriff, Cobbs, and Vaughn had at least 70 yards as well. So they were getting big explosive plays on offense in the same way that they were last year. That's sort of recalled last year. Problem was they just shot themselves in the foot way too often. Yeah. And that makes them not very good. I'm not ready to write them all the way off. I'm very close to writing them all the way off. But I mean, so you're they, telling just, they, me, they need they need to play more disciplined football. So you're telling me they're one and three right now. Do you know who they play next month? Well, I know they go to BYU. They go to next BYU, week, and then I believe not, they come home. They're uh, home for Air Force after that, right? With the off week at CSU, and then they go to Colorado State to Wyoming. We're going to find out very quickly. And and the reason, I think the main reason, this is what I wrote in the in the article that I wrote about, you know, about labeling them as a fringe contender in spite of everything. They still haven't played anybody in the Mountain Division, which is basically their saving grace. So yeah, like, that's like a, that, that's like a, te- that's that, a technicality to why they're in the That Air Force game two weeks from now is basically do or die for them. I would not be shocked if they are one and six heading into the Mexico game. I mean, I guess we'll see. I think I think they can. I, I, there's the path for them to rebound. Who are they, but they have they have to tighten things up. They're not being Air Force. They're not being BYU in the road. Wyoming. I, I'm still waiting to see a little bit, but they what they showed versus BYU will get to. Not beating them. They'll beat CSU at least they should, but. Just saying, not one. Sorry, two and six. Apologies, two and whatever. They just they have to be less mistake prone. That's all there is to it. So yeah, I don't have five interceptions. So I guess we'll see. All right, what's what's your next exactly? Game? Don't do that. <laughs> Easier said than done, right? <laughs> I guess. All right, what's our next game? What are we going to here? Uh, that would be New Mexico State forty-five, Hawaii twenty-six. Hey, Hawaii's a touchdown pass, right? Finally. One step forward, two steps back. Yeah, losing to New Mexico State is is embarrassing. Too strong a word, or not strong enough. I mean, uh, I mean, we always we knew coming into the year that there was a chance that this could be a long season. 
And I think, yeah, and and for the most part, I I think the, the biggest problem was New Mexico ran wild early. You know, when they were able to rack up that 35-10 lead, it was on the strength of 268 rushing yards. They averaged basically 10 yards an attempt, 9.9 yards to be exact, in that first half. They ran like well. th- that, that is your game right there. You know, we talked about it earlier in terms of like, you know, field position rate. Um, you know, the, that again, that percentage of plays run on the opposite side of the field. Mexico State ran 63% of its plays on Hawaii's side of the field. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that they were really adept at, you know, just getting it done on the ground. You know, power rushing situations, especially, you know, two yards or fewer to go for a first down or a touchdown. New Mexico was eight of nine in this game. And, oh, by the way, they also had 11 chunk plays on the ground that accounted for 243 yards as well. Gotcha. <laughs> I guess that was always within the realm of possibility. But I think if you're a Warriors fan, it's 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 fair to feel disappointed, especially after it was the defense that led the way last week against Duquesne. Yeah, there there's a long way to go because we didn't see y'all. You, you sort of you there. sort of hold you you hold on to the positives and try to try to look past the negatives. If you're looking for positives in this game, yeah, Shanger did okay. They got better and the, they they won the second half. If you want to look at it that way, you know they outscored the Aggies sixteen to ten after halftime. In terms of yards per play, you know they outgained them after halftime as well, five point two to four point five. You know they forced they forced a turnover in the second half. You know they were they, they were more disciplined in the second half. Only two penalties after halftime. Only six altogether. New Mexico State had eight. Mm-hmm. They were five of five in the red zone as well. You know, they got, I believe, 20 points on those, or excuse me, 20, they got all 26 points in the red zone. So when they were able to move the ball, you know, they they mostly maximized their opportunities. And and when all was said and done, yeah, the final score sucks. It's not what you're looking for. But they battled back and, you know, they, they didn't get completely pantsed. You know, they they made an effort of it. They didn't quit. It wasn't it wasn't a perfect performance. You know, I, I I would be concerned by the fact that, you know, even though they improved in the second half, as a team, as a defense, they still only had one tackle for loss. Yeah, the running game gashed them. They didn't have any resistance to slow down anybody running the ball, specifically when you have like Star Thomas with 144 yards and big plays but I mean, multiple plays over 10 yards a carry. Yeah, and I mean, you know, Shaker got better in the second half, too. I think, you know, that was part of, I I would say, most of the problem. He was 22 of 39 altogether, but, you know, by the time they were able to really pull things together, you know, he was 10 for his first 21, which was sort of problematic, and and really only two big pass plays of 24 and 28 yards in that first half. You know, Devin Parson had another nice game, another two touchdowns on the ground, 69 yards altogether. Yeah. it patience. That's the, the watchword for Hawaii fans until further notice. Well, we knew it. Yeah, we knew that was the case. You know what I mean? Like we kind of knew it would be a problem this year, and it'd take a long time with inexperience and transfer portal activity out at, at of last year, and with Timmy Chang being a going from receivers coach to a head coach. We knew this yeah. is the case. 
But we're just kind of hopeful. Yeah, they could be New Mexico State. They're not good. But that's a problem. All right, so where are we going next year? Uh, that would be BYU 38, Wyoming 24. Oh, man. Can Wyoming replay that third quarter? Is that possible to do? Can you get a do-over? What would you say happened in that third quarter? I don't know, man, because... Just too many too many big plays allowed? Yeah, they. I think... Was that the quarter... I should have in front of me. Was that the quarter Jaron Hall had that 67-yard touchdown pass? Was that the backbreaker in the fourth quarter? I believe so. No, that was in but, the fourth quarter. Yeah, okay. Because Wyoming's offense came live midway through the fourth quarter. They outscored BYU fourteen to ten. The like the third quarter, it was just it came out where, where I'm pulling the play by play really quick. Because watch this game closely. But didn't they get the ball to start the third quarter? Uh, I I, yeah, I believe so. Because they won yeah, the coin toss and deferred. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to pull up the play by play because I'm trying to recall. But yeah, they they yeah BYU got the touchdown, so it's fourteen ten near the end of the half. And on a huge long drive, which kind of deflated the defense, but they go freaking four and out. And that was the game right there. And BYU responds on both possessions where they punted each time. Sorry, four and out, four and out, not four and out, whatever, four plays punt. That was kind of the game. And then it got touchdowns touchdowns too little too late. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it it was was even in the first half. I mean, it's 14 to 10 at halftime. And and both offenses played pretty well. Like, you know, the Cougars on a pro play basis outdid the Cowboys. It was 6.9 to 4.7. In that first yeah. half, but it wasn't and like they had big you know, plays they, too. BYU. Yeah, it wasn't like they played poorly, but it, it was really you know the Jaron Hall show in that third quarter, in particular where he was nine of 10, 72 yards in those two touchdowns. Yeah, and you know combined with you know if you want to call it Wyoming blinking on yeah. offense, rather than you know because they you know I I think it's fair to say like they didn't have a poor game. No, I think one of the biggest part plays of the game is the unnecessary roughness they had, mm-hmm. where it was second and six. They got the first down. BYU's nearing midfield. 15 yard penalty takes them to. Um, no, wait, that's the wrong way. Hold on. That's my bad. I'm looking the wrong thing there. Um, that's, sorry, I'm looking at backwards. So, again, I said this last year or two years ago, Matt. Don't use ESPN's play by play chart because yeah. they have it backwards here. So, I'm like, never mind. I apologize. But. Third quarter stands what you're getting. That's, I thought I saw something in there that was against Wyoming. I think what it was, I don't know what it was because BYU made some adjustments that seemed like defensively because those first two drives, Wyoming didn't do much. And that was the problem. Like they could not get the ball. And then they're down 14 10, then down 28 to 10 right there. It was boom. That was it. I know Wyoming got the touchdown to make it 2017, but then. It was just they forced it on BYU from fourth down, being aggressive as they were. Because, like, they're fourth and fourth. They're Wyoming 41. Like, why are you punting there? It's like you have to go for it in that situation. They didn't take advantage of a touchdown right there or any points when they get the ball back near midfield. Like, that. there's well, – I mean, they also – Wyoming also underperformed on third downs in particular, especially oh, yeah. when the game was still close. You know, they were 3 of 11 overall. Yeah, but I think most critically, you know, in in terms of like third and short, they were only one of three. They had too many third and longs. I was going to get to when it was like over third and five or six. They like, actually only they actually only had two that were considered third and long. What's considered third? And long? Although according to stat broadcast, that's nine yards or more. Oh, if you long. if you look at their third downs, it was third and eight, three, five, seven, six, seven, five, and then late in the game, you know, seventeen, four, eleven, and three. So it wasn't like they were in a bunch of like super unmanageable third and like super long situations. 
But then you look at like what actually happened, you know, you know, they tried to put the the game in Peasley's hand in basically all of those situations. And they just just could not make those connections, you know, third down passing. Yeah. You look at the difference in this game, Jaron Hall, eight of nine on third downs for 163 yards. Peasley was three of nine for 37 yards. That's your game right there. Yeah, there's that. And then also, like, BYU didn't have, like, Keanu Hill came out of nowhere. It's like two, five catches, 160. He had a huge game. They remember they're down. Like, Puka Nakua played, but barely played. They didn't have Gunnar Romney. He didn't play. He's still out with some random injury. I guess one big thing is that BYU's rushing game showed up where they, it looks like Chris Brooks is getting the, getting the boot, and they bring in Miles Davis, who came out of nowhere for 131 yards. I know he had that huge 70-yarder. But nobody expected the freshman to get that many carries and do that well. Like even twelve for sixty would have been better than what they've been doing with Chris Brooks the past couple of weeks. But that big play, I know it skews it a little bit, but excuse me, skews it a bit. But BYU's had players who step up who we weren't sure who was going to do anything. Like you had a uh, the Braden Cosper touchdown pass or reception, I should say. They these mm-hmm. guys like who typically don't make plays. Kendall Hill's been the okay guy, but again, it all comes back to that third quarter and those third and medium plays where Wyoming just when it's third and five, they're not going to run the ball. Typically not. And Peasley's not quite good enough where they can roll out, do play action. He only had nine yards rushing. He's a guy who's a, a fairly mobile quarterback. And so be always able to slow that down too. And so that was kind of the thing with third and five, like what was going to pass. He was under 50% or just to me, just over 14, 27. He's not really going to beat you during the air. He had some good throws, but he's not consistent enough to make those plays. And that's where when it's third in more than three, they had problems. Yeah. I mean, and it's sort of a shame too, because, you know, they, they did get some good performances from the pass catcher, like Joshua Cobbs before he got knocked out of the game. Mm-hmm. He had a pretty good game, you know, four, like, you know, four catches, 64 yards, one touchdown. You know, we'll see sort of what his situation looks like. I'm assuming sometime this week. Hopefully, yeah. But I think Wyoming showed a lot to think that they should be a, a pretty significant player as they sort of turn their attention to conference play at this point. Yeah, the loss this loss isn't too surprising. I knew it would be closer than three touchdowns, like where the line was yeah. twenty one to twenty three. And there's a chance where I'm like, well, maybe. But again, they they didn't put together a complete game. Third quarter was their downfall, and they were outscored fourteen zero, and that was it. There you go. All right, now let's go to another positive team. Are the Spartans under the radar for the conference? Sitting at two and one, 34-6, easy victory over Western Michigan. The Broncos are there. Shavon Cordero is looking to be a little bit better of a quarterback than we thought. Not a not a perfect game. No. Running not game showed up game. a bit. That's helpful, right? Yeah, that's true. Kyrie Robinson had a nice game. What was it? Tw- no, 13 carries. 81 yards. yards, two touchdowns. A couple of scores, yeah. Kudos. But yeah, him. Siobhan Cordero was basically as advertised in this game. I think it was pretty easily his best overall game of the year. 17 to 28, 250 yards, two touchdowns. But I think the, the bigger key for me, like I talked about in the preview, the Spartans defense finally showed up big time. Yeah. Which is not Good to say point. that they hadn't shown up against both Portland State and Auburn. You know, I think you know, they did well to you know, sort of managed the crisis at home against the Vikings. And then obviously yeah. they frustrated the Tigers on the road, you know, uh, uh, after that. 
but you know, you look at this game and you see, okay, they had three three sacks. You know, Kate Hall finally showed up, had had a sack in this game. You know, three pass breakups, ten TFLs against a, against a Western Michigan team that was shockingly unable to do much through the air. Yeah, I did not realize that they would miss Caleb Ellaby that badly. That no, their their two quarterbacks, you know, Marion Hrabowski and and Stone Hollenbach, would only combine to go eight of thirteen for seventy one yards and an interception. No boy, no. I did not see that coming, but I think the more the more impressive thing to me is that the Spartans also shut down that ground game too, because you know the Broncos have uh, what on, on paper should be a very dangerous running back duo in Sean Tyler and Ladarius Jefferson. Those two guys combined for what ninety four yards on twenty five carries. That's a big win for the Spartans' defense right there. And if they can keep all that going into conference play, I think they still have a, a road data at New Mexico State on, on the docket still as well. But, you know, I'm sure they don't mind that nobody's talking to them because that means they'll be able to sneak up on people. Yeah, I think the, even me included, like the Portland State game, I was like, ooh, what's going on here? And then... Yeah, but I think Auburn, th- this was so. sort of this was sort of the San Jose State team that I expected to see coming into the year. Yeah, this was you know by far their most complete game on both sides of the ball that we've seen them play this year. Yeah, and next week they go to Wyoming, which I don't have the full schedule in front of me, but that might be the game of the week next week to watch. Spartans at Laramie. Surprisingly crucial game. Yeah. Yeah. Conference opener for the uh, Spartans there. Wyoming's one. Yeah, I mean, I think played. if if there are things to improve upon. One the the very first thing I look at is that the Spartans were only three of twelve on third downs, and and most of that was because of the, you know, their short yardage successes. They were three of five on third and four or fewer, and then zero of eight when they had five or more yards to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that that's one thing I'm mindful of. The other thing is that they too also had eleven penalties in this game. Too many. So and and it, but it wasn't like any of them were like super killer mistakes, but honestly, you should not be having three false starts on your own home field. No, definitely not. Come on, probably shouldn't be having like delays of game on your own home field as well. What are the Denver Broncos need to count down the play clock for Russell Wilson? Come on. <laughs> yeah, I think they also had a delay of game penalty at some point too on defense, especially. I don't know how that would have happened. Because it says delay of game before the snap, and it says at the at, would have been before the first snap of the third quarter. I don't remember seeing that. Uh, that might be a substitution thing. I'm not entirely sure. Oh, maybe yeah, because they they literally did have a delay of game penalty to give Western Michigan first and five coming out of halftime. So those kinds of things can probably get cleaned up a little bit. But I think on the whole, if you're not paying attention to San Jose State, now's a really good time to start doing so. Yeah, they should. They, including myself, where I kind of like, oh, the Portland State game wasn't ideal when they barely got the got the win got the win going or got the win, excuse me, I should say. But they, yeah, Chevron Cordero is doing well. For me, it's their a balanced, like, a balanced offense and a good defense can yeah, take you a lot of, a long yeah. way in this conference race this year. It seems. So I was getting at, if they have Kyrie Robinson do what he did, which is just enough. And the defense is turned. That's what's the problem last year. Besides the injury to Nick Starkle, their defense wasn't what they were in 2020. The defense looks to be getting back there because again, they gave up what 20 to Auburn. The Portland State only 17. 
They've only given up, what, 33? They haven't given up 40 points all year, 39 points this year. They're giving up under 10 mm-hmm. points a game. Or, sorry, just uh, sorry, 13 points a game. So, and Wyoming's offense isn't super explosive. Like, there's a chance that game might be, like, four, like first to 20, possibly. First to 17, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Over yeah, let's put it, let's put it this way. way. Like, we haven't brought up defensive SP Plus yet at all in this podcast. But I do think it's worth noting that San Jose State is currently 53rd on that side of the ball by SP+. Where's New Mexico? Weren't they top 60 as well? Uh, New Mexico was in the top 60. They 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 took oh, their loss against yeah. LSU. <laughs> I think they fell to, I want to say, 69th altogether. Okay. So, like, still right. roughly in the middle of the pack. And quite good for what they've been doing the past few years. It's a nice ranking. Exactly. Definitely. Anything else to get to before we uh, let the folks go and come back in a couple of days with Thursday games? No, I think uh, for, for right now, we're all set. We'll get back to you guys in a couple of days. Check out our recaps, articles. We're doing a player of the month in September. We'll have some bull predictions like we always do and stuff like that. Uh, just keep keep an eye out for everything. And just let us know, like, who's freaking out? Like, is your, are you confident in your team? Tell us on Twitter. Go to MWCR and, like, give us your little – Spill after one month, like what the heck's going off my team? Are you confident? Are you happy? Are you not happy? What changes you want to see? Because there's a lot of teams like this, Matt, this race, as we know, it's wide open. And did you, I think I saw you put out your power pole. Who'd you put at number one? Uh, I have Air Force at number one. Air Force. I was debating, like, I was half kidding the UNLV, but even though they lost to Wyoming, you put them number one, Air Force? Yeah, because it's not just about head to head. I know. I'm just, I'm just asking the question people want to know. It's going to be Air Force is good, obviously. Fresno is still good, even depending on Hayner's injury, but uh, interesting. Wyoming there. Spartans got to be up there. UNLV has to be up there. I like where the league is going a little bit, where it's not the same teams every year. Like, it's wide open. But it's also mm-hmm. disappointing with some of the better teams that are just kind of falling off and not just, oh, they're losing because these other teams are so much better and so good. We'll see if that's the case. But it seems like Aztecs and Boise State are kind of falling off a bit in some of these losses. Even though Aztecs won today and were treating like they lost the game. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. check us out later this week, MWR.com. So tell your friend about our podcast and just download it randomly if you want some of people's phones. That's always fun too. Say, hey, there's a show you may not like, but just download it anyways to help them out. That'd be great too. And uh, yeah, we'll be back in a couple of days. And dude, we're, we're getting there and we'll have some. Matt, when are we doing our player of the month? This is going to be during our preview or recap show. What do you think? Uh, it'll be out sometime in article form midweek, probably. Okay. We may, we may or may not talk about it on our preview podcast recap. I will say definitely. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Okay. All right. So until next time, we'll see you. And, uh, yeah, hope your team does well. If they didn't do well this week, do well this week. And if your team did well, keep it going.